Hi, it's Jerry, and this is Realty Caffeine, the podcast. I wanted to talk about iBuyers a little bit. It's now an option in the Atlanta market, has been for a little while, and we're competing with lots of different folks in that venue. Um, It's being done by several buyers in the market, but one of the questions I get frequently, is it a good idea? So we're going to take a recent blog article and talk about that. But there is a, there's a cost associated with using an iBuyer, and it tends to be higher than a traditional sale. And it's not always obvious, so that's really where we're gonna focus on the things that are not necessarily obvious. To be clear, I am offering an iBuyer option now via Keller Offers. And this is not an attempt to discourage using these iBuyers and the tools that are available to you, but rather to lay the cards on the table so that you can make an informed decision. It's pretty simple, actually. An iBuyer is just a cash buyer. That's what they are. They have fees associated with them, and they call them convenience fees or other things that they'll use as a term. But... It essentially replaces the commission that is typically charged by a full service agent. And that convenience fee runs between six and 15% on most deals. And then they're likely going to deduct any repairs that are needed. And generally they're gonna offer a bit lower price than maybe what the market might bring in a traditional sale. So my experience with them has been about 10 to 15% lower net of what you'd get if you sold it on the market. But there are some advantages. There's no showings. There's no repairs. There's no negotiation. Their offers are usually take it or leave it. You get to close when you want to. And in some ways, it's just easier. My work with Keller Offers is just getting started, but we've done a couple already, and it looks to be about the same percentage of lost equity. Yeah, lost equity. That's where this comes down, isn't it? It's that equity that's funding the convenience, right? I just read an article about the silver tsunami that's coming, and it seems to be the latest thing on podcasts and what have you but it really is just about the baby boomers that are selling their houses. And the estimates of about 1.2 million homes hitting the market in the next few years, honestly, it doesn't scare me because we're short on inventory anyway. We're short on inventory because the market adjustment a few years ago shut down most of the builders. And they're just now really coming back into production at the levels that they were before the crash or before the great recession as we called it but the other thing that happened is there were some institutional investors we call them who bought up the mostly lower priced homes and they carry them as rentals and they're still carrying them as rentals i have seen some come out for sale but there's mostly still just rental properties So we lost all of that low priced inventory, what we would call a starter home. And it went to those investors who are just carrying it for cash flow. 
Well, what they're beginning to see is not just cash flow, but they're seeing appreciation now. And at some point, I think we'll probably see some more of those properties come on the market as well. But either way, we're still okay because that reduction in inventory that we've got is helping to hold the market steady or it's increasing mostly and it's unlikely that's going to change anytime soon. So I'm really not too concerned about the baby boomers selling their houses, but I am concerned about them selling their houses in large numbers to the iBuyers because it could affect the appraisal value when it comes time to resell. My personal goal is to show all my sellers their options and what the return would be on them. And depending on the situation, it could be a choice amongst several things. There could be an investor who wants to buy something. There could be an iBuyer that we've, we're beginning to talk about that. We're also possible that, that there could be some for sale by owners. We Sometimes we refer to that to FSBO, F-S-B-O, just an abbreviation. And then the traditional marketing sale, which is what most real estate agents do in this market. So I'm gonna break it down just to give you a, a basis to think about it. I want you to see how these numbers work. And if we start with that first one, I talked about an investor, that typically is gonna cost about 20% or more. And it's usually due to the condition and a required return on the investment. And it applies to a deal that needs a lot of work. Something that's just in bad shape and maybe needs complete rehab. Those things are gonna go probably the least expensive. And then the next would be the iBuyer. And the cost for that, like I said earlier, somewhere between 10 and 15%, maybe a little more than that due to the repairs and then that convenience factor. I mean, being able to say, hey, I'm closing in 47 days and it happens to coincide exactly with the closing on my other house and there's no contingencies, it might be worth something in a convenience charge for that. And then there's the for sale by owner, the FISBO costs about 6%. Um, it can be more if the, if the ability to market the property isn't there. So you have limited marketing. Most of the time, the for sale by owners don't have the negotiation skills that a seasoned agent will. They'll end up pricing the property lower and the seller still does all the work. Buyers tend to think that they're going to get to save 6% because there's no commission involved. But the seller thinks that too. And you can't both have it. And probably what happens is it gets negotiated out of the deal. So the net's either the same or a little less than what you're going to get out of a traditional sale. And then I'll call a traditional sale is about 6%. A full service agent, I mean, typically that's a, that's a reasonable commission. It's going to vary somewhere. It is negotiable. Um, some agents charge less, some agents charge more. So just to give you an idea, but you're going to net more money generally speaking in a traditional sale because you're going to get full exposure to the market you're going to get as many people as possible looking at your house and the agent's going to handle all of the paperwork and all the negotiation and all the details that happen behind the scenes in a sale so that traditional sale also it protects the values in the neighborhood 
because it maximizes what an appraiser sees when they run comparables on any future sales. And honestly, it keeps the economy going, the local economy, the agents and all the other trades involved, the home inspectors and appraisers, all those people, the handymen, the plumber, the electricians, they all take the money that they earn and they spend it locally. But the iBuyers, they take those funds outside the local market and it ends up on the bottom line of a big corporation. And the bottom line in this discussion really is a trade-off for convenience and money. If you want to know the bottom line of each scenario on your particular situation, I'm here to help and you can give me a call. But I just want to lay that out and and say, you know, take some time to look at your options, understand that they're, you know, changing. And if you're interested in knowing what would happen in each of those scenarios for you, like I said, I'm happy to sit down with you and have a conversation. So reach out, but let me know what you think of this podcast. I'd appreciate your feedback, any comments you have. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening.